0: welcome to episode 169 with a special lockdown briefing my name is emma scott senior workplace relations consultant at BHAA. joining me today is clinton tummeldon workplace relations consultant welcome clinton
1: thank you i'm unhappy to be here
0: So today we're here to provide a briefing to members on the secondary pathway bargaining for the Allied Health Professionals Agreement.
1: Yes, we want to be able to outline the changes to the terms and conditions contained within the existing 2016 agreement that will be replaced by the outcome of the secondary pathway bargaining.
0: So it's actually the first time uh, secondary pathway bargaining has occurred uh, rather than the primary pathway. We had eight bargaining meetings with discussions finalised on Thursday, the 17th of September.
1: That's right. The secondary pathway is set out in the state government's enterprise bargaining framework as an alternative mode to the primary pathway. It's essentially a 12-month rollover agreement. Vaba made a request to the Victorian government to the secondary pathway due to the disruption caused by COVID-19, which was approved in August. So members would have been advised of this in Bolton 2578.
0: Yeah, correct. It was actually only available to those enterprise agreements that expire on or before the 30th of June this year. And the unique features of the secondary pathway are annual wage and allowance increases capped at 2.5%, a normal expiry date of 12 months from the normal expiry date of the current agreement, all other terms and conditions as contained in the current agreement except for where a change is required under industrial relations policy to further mutually agreed whole-of-government initiatives to resolve legal issues or minor changes to improve the clarity of the agreement.
1: In addition to those matters, we also have to ensure the replacement agreement complies with the Fair Work Act 2009, including the National Employment Standards, and that each employee is better off overall when compared to the Modern Award being the Health Professionals and Support Services Award
0: 2020. Yes. so if those uh, additional matters aren't meant, the Fair Work Commission will require an undertaking apply alongside the agreement, which can complicate matters. Uh, The current agreement actually already does have some. Uh, So we assess the agreement against the current modern award and where changes were required to reduce the likelihood of undertakings they were made.
1: We conducted the better off overall test, aka the boot, and made changes based on recent experiences we have had with the Fair Work Commission and other agreement approval processes.
0: Yeah, the Fair Work Commission's approach has continuously evolved since the full bench decision of Coles and Bylow versus Duncan Hart in May 2016.
1: Yeah, the approach is stricter in that each employee must be better off overall, with monetary benefits being a critical element to the assessment. It's difficult to offset monetary be- benefits with items that are not necessarily quantifiable for some employees. So, for example, with casual employees, it's difficult to offset monetary items like loadings because casuals do not receive set hours. They also do not receive the additional be- benefits of the full-time or part-time employees receive for leave.
0: Although we didn't have members attend the meetings with BARPA, we did have reference group meetings to discuss all changes that were made. This also included an extraordinary uh, payroll reference group meeting uh, to gain some feedback on the items that will have an impact on payroll.
1: Yes, and a big thank you to those members who provided feedback and attended those meetings at short notice, as they were invaluable meetings and adjustments to some of the positions we made as a result of some of that feedback.
0: We also posted summaries of the bargaining meetings on the Allied Health Professionals General Yammer page. So other members uh, that weren't a part of those discussions or those groups can also post feedback. We didn't receive any through that uh, process, but it's just um, important to note that there was that opportunity similar to what we do in the the primary pathway bargaining.
1: That's right. And starting with Part A of the agreement, which is preliminary matters, this is where most of the simple changes have been made these either have little or no impact.
0: Yeah, the main change uh, to highlight there is the section when it comes to the adoption definition, which has been buried to correct an error. So the existing agreement allows parental leave to an eligible employee where a child is placed under a permanent care order. Uh, This occurs after the employee has already been placed with the child for 12 months. So the clause has now been buried to ensure the eligible employee has access to parental leave at the time of child placement. Uh, this should be have a limited impact on members.
1: The parties agreed to commence negotiations in December 2020, which is also reflected in the agreement. This is to ensure there are no delays in commencing the bargaining for the next agreement. Even if the discussions in December are about scheduling it, it will still be beneficial.
0: So moving on to part B of the agreement, which is consultation, dispute resolution, and the discipline section. Um, we've got some items there on screen that we've assessed as having a limited impact.
1: Yeah, the first change ensures the major change's introduction clause is consistent with the major change definition in line with what was discussed in the bargaining when the clause was developed. The requirement to consult occurs when a major change, as described in the clause, may have a significant effect on an employee or employees.
0: That's correct. With the second change that we have outlined on screen with Regards to the subclause 13.10C. This was made to ensure VARPA will not raise any concerns that the clause was non compliant with section 205 of the Fair Work Act. Um, compliance must be met in this respect, otherwise, the Fair Work Commission attaches the whole standard model clause for consultation, which would result in confusion.
1: That's right. The original claim from VARPA was to remove clause 13.10C in its entirety, which we rejected. However, to ensure alignment with the modern award terms, we agree to remove self-rostering and rotating rosters arrangements from being excluded. Consultation is still only required in these circumstances if the arrangements are regular in nature.
0: So, for example, health services may have employees who work set hours that rotate, say, twice a month. Uh, The hours and the rotation are the same each month. So really, it's a regular, regular rotating roster. So if a health service then wants to propose a change to those regular rotating rosters, then consultation would be applicable in accordance with subclause 13.10c.
1: That's right. And moving on to part C of the agreement, which is the types of employment and termination of employment section.
0: Yeah, the change to highlight here is uh, the increase in casual loading for ordinary hours on a public holiday from 75% to 175%, with the total payment being 275%. Increasing the casual loading was uh, done to ensure that no undertakings will be required. The existing agreement loading is significantly lower than the modern award. That employees will receive the same loading as what's applicable under the modern award.
1: Yeah, and this does result in a cost impact for employers, but it was an item identified in the boot as high risk. We discussed the matter with the payroll reference group as well, and there was a preference for the loading to be increased versus having to complete a reconciliation process against the modern award and paying the difference each time a public holiday occurred.
0: The next section is part D of the agreement, which is wages, which uh, all have a cost impact. The request approved by the government was a wage increase of 2.5% from the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July 2020, which we uh, do shorthand references being the FFPPOA of the 1st of July 2020. Um, But it was agreed that back pay will also apply and that it would apply to employees who are employed by an employer covered by the agreement when the agreement commences operation, which is the usual uh, circumstance. Um, but ne- the next one on screen is employees who terminate their employment after the agreement is made in accordance with section 182 of the fair work uh, act which more specifically is when a majority of employees of the employers that will be covered by the agreement cast a valid vote to approve the agreement
1: that's right and this is why we have deleted clause 28.5 regarding the lump sum payment as it's no longer relevant along with clause 28.4 regarding additional increments
0: In relation to the existing clause 28.6, regarding maintenance of some chief and deputy chief rates, that has been kept. Uh, The maintenance arrangement continues to apply in accordance with the the existing principles, Uh, but what we have done is we've inserted the rates into the clause, so there's no extra calculations that have to occur post-agreement.
1: And in relation to Part E, which deals with allowances and reimbursements, although we didn't change the words in clause 33, We've still highlighted in the summary of changes that the allowances specified in subclause 33.1 will increase in accordance with a 2.5% wage increase on the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July 2020. Other allowances added by the replacement agreement are set out at Appendix 3 and the other allowances are those allowances that are calculated as percentage of a particular rate.
0: Yeah, the next uh, change is in relation to higher qualifications allowance, in which we've got an additional subclause that outlines what additional means. Uh, so we have them outlined on screen, um, and that's about a postgraduate qualification held by the employee that is in addition to the minimum qualification that is required to enable them entry into the relevant profession under the agreement. It is not a postgraduate qualification held by an employee that is the only qualification they hold that allows them entry into the profession under the agreement.
1: Yeah, this was a last minute change. We originally sought deferral until the primary pathway. However, given the proposed words by Papa substantially reflected the higher qualifications guide that was previously issued to members on the 31st of August 2018, it was a change that the Department of Health and Human Services indicated should be made to resolve the bargaining.
0: That's correct. Uh, That's why we've identified the change as having a limited impact, if any, uh, because if members uh, take the approach that's outlined our guide, there really shouldn't be any impact.
1: Yeah, that's right. The next change, which is one of the more significant changes if health services have some of their employees doing morning or afternoon shifts, is in relation to subclause 38.1, and we just have on screen those changes.
0: Yeah, this is a change related to the boot um, to reduce the likelihood of an undertaking. So the minimum wages under the agreement for some classifications are so close to the modern award that the existing shift allowance for morning and afternoon shifts fall below what an employee would have received under the modern award for for that same shift.
1: Yeah, and instead of the existing calculation of 2.5% of the rate applicable to the first year of experience after qualifications for that employee, they receive a set amount that we have calculated which results in those increases we have on screen. So the effective date will still be the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July, 2020.
0: That's correct. We did actually discuss several options with the payroll reference group. Uh, The option that was inserted into the agreement was the option that results in the least amount of manual intervention. Although it does come at a greater cost, we also previously identified through the reference group that allied health professionals do not generally work shift work, um, although there are limited pockets that do.
1: Yeah, and the last change is the sleepover allowance, which is Clause 40. We had to increase the amount payable for social workers and community development workers because the allowance includes one hour's work and the amount fell below the minimum wages in the Modern Award. So for consistency purposes, we made the allowance match the youth worker rate. This results in an increase of 146.95% per sleepover. The effective date will still be the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July 2020.
0: We will look at uh, seeking to delete the sleepover allowance in the primary pathway, as we don't believe any allied health professionals are actually required to do undertakings.
1: That's right. And now to part F of the agreement, which deals with hours of work and related matters. Two of the more more minor changes we have outlined on screen, so that's clause 47.7, the new clause that outlines an employee will not work broken shifts unless the employee agrees to work a broken shift under a flexible work arrangement or individual flexibility arrangement. Prior arrangements, of course, will not be disturbed. And Clause 49.1a, the minimum unpaid meal interval of 30 minutes, has been introduced into the existing maximum unpaid meal in- interval of 60 minutes.
0: So in relation to the new Clause 47.7, Barpa's original claim was to delete any reference to broken shifts, um, which we rejected. Um, and initially asked for it to be reviewed in the primary pathway. However, VARPA um, highlighted this as another change that was required to resolve the bargaining. So instead of the deletion, um, we agreed to limit the use of broken shifts going forward to flexible work arrangements and IFAs, but prior arrangements wouldn't be disturbed.
1: Yeah, that's right. And we identified this item as having a limited impact. When discussed with the reference group and the payroll reference group, broken shifts were not identified as common practice. The second change on screen is in relation to Clause 49.1a, which we have identified as having a limited uh, impact, if any.
0: Yeah, so that's in relation to the existing unpaid meal break. It currently specifies a maximum of of 60 minutes, but not a minimum. So as a part of the boot process, this was amended to specify 30 minutes um, unpaid as a minimum, Um, and the feedback from the reference group was that uh, the breaks rostered are actually 30 minutes in duration.
1: Yep, and agreed changes were also made to Clause 52.5 of the agreement for simplification of the overtime and recall payments for full-time or part-time employees. They also reduced the likelihood of undertakings by the Fair Work Commission, which we do have on screen.
0: Yeah, so um, in terms of those, specifically what we did was we deleted subclause 52.5F, which was related to recall, We also outlined that overtime on a public holiday is double time and a half and outlined that one penalty applies being the highest penalty rate according to the circumstance. So the existing clauses didn't expressly deal with the interaction between recall and public holiday rates, along with overtime rates, which really could result in a possibility of variances across the health services. So we've assessed this as a possible impact for some employers depending on their interpretation of the
1: provisions. That's right. And we also have a new clause specifically dealing with casuals and overtime, which we have on screen, and it's essentially overtime will be payable when a casual employee works in excess of 10 hours on any one shift, in excess of 38 hours per week, or where a break of at least eight hours has not been provided between successive ordinary shifts until a break of eight hours is provided, and that overtime payments for casuals are based on the full-time or part-time rates outlined in the previous slide, plus the 25% casual loading.
0: Yeah, this is one where there is a difference of interpretation on the payment of authorised overtime. We usually advise that casuals are not entitled to overtime because of the words for all the work done in the casual clause, whereas VARPA believe overtime applies um, because the overtime clause isn't expressly um, exclude casuals. And also VARPA believed recall applied to a casual, um, which we also disagreed with but despite this the parties did agree to make amendments as a result of the boot.
1: Yes, and the modern award now clearly outlines casuals are entitled to overtime, so it was something that required amendment, and casual overtime has been raised by the fair work commission in the approval process for another enterprise agreement.
0: Yeah, there was a preference for the payroll from the payroll reference group that the threshold be 76 hours per fortnight instead of 38 hours per week, but we were unable to progress that position with Barpa. The thresholds are the same as the modern award, with the exceptions of the words regarding the eight-hour break, which was to deal with the threshold issue regarding recall not applying to casuals, just to ensure that they don't get called back for additional ordinary shifts with little or no hours between them.
1: Yep, and the other changes to the overtime clause we have identified as limited impact or limited impact, if any, are shown on screen. Screen, sorry, and an additional subclause 52.7E regarding payment of time and lieu on termination of employment, and additional words in subclause 52.9 outlining the existing clause for trainee supervision is subject to section 62 of the Act, which is in regard to maximum weekly hours, and a variation to subclause 55.3B ensuring an employee will not resume work of their own volition or do so will cause a significant occupational health and safety risk.
0: Moving on to Part G of the agreement, which deals with public holidays, leave and related matters, most of the changes uh, here are required due to the NES. These were either raised by BARPA or VHIA, and also some were the subject of advice. And others have been raised with the Fair Work Commission in approval process for other enterprise agreements, Uh, and we've identified them as either having limited or no impact on existing practices. So we just want to highlight the changes briefly.
1: Yes, and there are quite a few which we're showing on screen now. Uh, variation of clause 58.5 that allows a substitution of public holidays to occur by individual agreement only and not by agreement with the majority of affected employees. Deletion of clause 58.6, which outlines employees rostered to work on public holiday who fail to do so don't receive holiday pay for the public holiday. And deletion of clause outlining in normal circumstances an employee must not take care leave under clause 62 where another person has taken leave to care for that same person.
0: So the parental leave clause 70 is actually where most of the changes um, have been made when considering the NES, uh, which we do have outlined on screen. So what we have first is the deletion of the primary care and non-primary care definition, which limits non-employee couples' parental leave. So we've had, we've deleted that um, reference and made some other associated changes. Uh, we've also outlined some changes to the variations to the notice and evidence re- requirements relating to concurrent leave. Um, some variations to the period of unpaid parental leave up to 12 months and the notice requirements. Parental leave and other entitlements not breaking the parental leave period. And then the last what change there is just keeping in touch days that um, they do apply to short parental leave.
1: Thanks for that. Em. And moving on to the long service leave clause uh, 72, The first change will be of interest to members. It's a change we made to clarify the processes for when a full-time or part-time employee entitled to long service leave under clause 72, which includes a fixed-term employee, terminates but continues to be employed by a health service as a casual employee. In some instances, they stay within the sector and are employed with another health service under the agreement
0: yeah this one initially we identified should be discussed in the primary pathway knowing that it's likely that some of the nurses and midwives long service leave outcomes will flow onto other agreements this was also a preference of the reference uh, group and the payroll reference group however this was another change that varpa indicated must be made in the uh, secondary pathway to resolve the bargaining
1: yeah that's right the clause drafted confirms that an employee who has an entitlement to long service leave under the agreement at employer a doesn't lose the ability to transfer service in accordance with the existing provisions to employer B when they terminate employment by but continue to be employed as a casual at employer A and we have those changes on screen specifically uh, the certificate of service must be requested by the employee when the termination occurs so the employer would provide that information the employee must be employed within the allowable period of absence by the second employer with sufficient evidence and the service transfer does not count for the purposes of the employee's casual entitlement under the Long Service Leave Act of 2018.
0: So one important element to highlight there is that we have made sure that there's no double dip of entitlements, which was a big concern raised by the different reference groups that we discussed the change with. So as a result of that, we've highlighted the new clauses having a limited impact, if any, because we've uh, used the existing principles in the agreement and confirmed what process should occur. So really, that's about making sure that we don't disincentivize casuals from staying on the casual bank at their initial health service when health services want to try and maximise their workforce capabilities.
1: That's right. And there's also a practical example in the agreement that highlights the effects of the provisions.
0: Yes, um, it's just to give it um, members a little bit more of assistance as well as employees when um, reading that change. The other minor change to the long service clause is the, the removal of the ability to make an application to take half leave at double the pay at clause 72.3c. That change is made to support NES compliance because there's been Fair Work Commission um, decisions that have categorised this as a form of cashing out, not allowed under
1: the, the NES. Yep, and then moving on to part H, there's all, there was only one small clarification to the existing clause 77.6b. Which outlines when part-time employees can access professional development leave on days they don't work so one of them being where the employee does not have four clear days off duty the period of assessment is per fortnight so this has been added for clarity purposes and as has been identified as no impact
0: so in part i union matters and service delivery partnership plan we've deleted the requirement to have a workplace implementation committee given the limited changes made during the secondary pathway the SDPPWG clause has been replaced with a clause that for the three additional imp- employers who are public hospitals um, can have implementation meetings at the request of themselves or VARPA.
1: That's right. And then moving on to part J of the agreement, classification and staffing. There have been new clauses added in clause 84 related to grade three allied health managers and interns, which we will, we will discuss as part of the wages discussion for Appendix 2. Also, the health promotion structure has been deferred until primary pathway bargaining.
0: So Appendix 2 Part A and Part B have been updated with the 2.5% wage increase as per the government's wages policy, except for the identified new classifications and classifications that may be subject to undertakings. So we just want to take members through these items just because they do have a cost impact.
1: Yeah. And then firstly, taking members through the allied health professional classifications that are impacted. These are classifications that not have been subject to undertakings previously, but concerns have been raised in other agreement approval processes with the Farah commission. So we just have on screen those specific classifications. The first change is in relation to interns. The classification has been split into a three year degree pay rate, which is the existing rate with a 2.5% wage increase but there will be a master's rate applicable uh, new rate for an intern who has provisional registration in that they have completed their master's degree and is undertaking clinical placement in which they will receive the new master's rate of pay. The Modern Award has a higher entry point for employees with a master's, which is why the change has been made. A buffer above the Modern Award has also been included to assist with the boot. In relation to the second change, uh, this concerns allied health managers classified at grade three, year four, the wage rate falls below the modern award minimum wage rate for the health professional level 4 pay point 4 which is where the allied health managers translate the modern employees to get paid less if they are in charge of staff like the agreement does so these employees will not receive the usual grade 3 year 4 increment but will receive a different year 4 increment with a higher wage increase which is named grade grade 3 year 4b
0: moving on to the community development workers, so we're going into the AHP2 space. Um, that's where we do have some undertakings currently applicable to those outlined on screen who translate to a level 2, pay point point two, three, and 4 under the Modern Award. Instead of creating a different structure for these employees to reduce the manual intervention, what we've done is we've updated the general, map, general rates to match the Modern Award rates plus half a percent. So those who translate to the Modern Award Level 2 receive a smaller um, half a percent increase compared to those listed on screen, but all others will receive the higher increases outlined there. Um, The Year 1 used to have an undertaking, but it's no longer required. They will just receive the normal 2.5% wage increase. So that's why the Year 1 does not appear in the table.
1: That's right. And then moving on to the next slide, which we have on screen with the welfare workers, this is where most changes are across uh, several classification levels. Firstly, the welfare worker class two an undertaking applicable to employees in the classifications above who translate to a level two pay point three and four under the modern award. So there's no current undertaking applicable to years one and two, but a change is required. There's no change to the structure, but the wage rates have been updated.
0: So then in terms of the other welfare worker classification structure, what we've got is we do have some employees that translate to the Ward level for the health professionals level three. Um, And so for these uh, welfare workers, what we've done is we have created different classification levels. So for class two employees translating to level three, there's a new classification structure called welfare worker class 2A. And that's um, where we do have existing undertakings that already apply to these employees. For Class 3, employees translate into the Level 3. There is a new classification called Welfare Worker Class 3A, uh, which we again have existing undertakings for um, that already apply to those employees. For Class 4, employees translate into the Level 3. There is a new classification structure called Welfare Worker Class 4A. An undertaking only currently applies to the Year 5, but a change is required to keep a similar buffer above the Modern Ward. And so there is a difference in pay between the Class 3A and Class 4A, similar to the existing Class 3 and 4.
1: That's right. And then moving on to uh, the youth workers. So with the youth workers, we have also created new classifications to resolve the existing undertakings, which we have on screen. We've created a Level 2A Youth Worker for the Class 2 employees who translate to a Level 3 under the Modern Award. A Class 3A has also been created for the Class 3 employees who translate to a Level 3 under the Modern Award. An undertaking currently applies to the Year 4 and Year 5. No current undertaking applies to the Year 1, 2, and 3, but a change is required to these years to keep a similar buffer above the Modern Award. And so there is a difference in pay between the Class 2A and Class 3A similar to the existing Class 2 and 3.
0: Um, and then lastly, there's just one change for Peter Mac only, and that's in relation to the trainee research technologist slash in-bracket Scientists. Um, so there are existing undertakings um, for those employees, and what we've done is we've resolved them by increasing the percentage amount of the Level A research assistant wage Wage Rate 1 for trainees who are 19 or 20 years of age. Uh, So one thing it is important to note is that these changes will still apply from the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July, 2020.
1: Thanks for that, Em, and that's all the changes we believe were appropriate to highlight in the briefing podcast in which we have given some additional context behind how and why the proposed changes have been agreed.
0: Yeah, although it might seem like there's a long, this is quite a long list, it actually isn't in comparison to the changes that we would have made had we undertaken the primary pathway bargaining. And indeed, we probably actually still would have been bargaining if that was the case.
1: Yeah, and in terms of next steps, we have set two different meeting times that members can attend to ask questions on any of the proposed changes outlined in the summary of changes or the briefing we have just concluded. So the sessions are occurring as per the details on the slides.
0: It's also important to note that the agreement still requires approval from government, but once this occurs and we have the single interest employer authorization from the Fair Work Commission, the agreement will go out to ballot. It's likely to be early November uh, and then what we will do is we'll lodge the agreement for approval, issue implementation material and conduct a forum for members as well.
1: Awesome. Thanks for the great discussion today, Emma.
0: You're welcome, and um, we hope it's been useful to members to give some additional context to the bargaining. <laughs>